Hallelujah. I wanted to go ahead and invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. But while you're doing that, I wanted to share something with you. I have had the honor of being asked to be a part of ministering during a series of meetings next week um, that are in driving distance of here. Let me find what I'm looking for. It's, um, it's actually called Church of the Harvest, which is the name of the church I came out of. It's unaffiliated, of course, but it's uh, the Musgraves. Uh, they've, uh, they're sort of new to our company and fellowship, and we uh, just hit it off, my wife and I, with those precious pastors. And um, Reverend Philip Slaughter and some other ministers are going to be a part of a camp meeting-style Holy Ghost meeting for a week. And uh, it starts next Sunday night. I'm not ministering Sunday night, uh, but I'll be in attendance. But I am ministering, according to the schedule here, uh, Monday, Monday evening. It's in Wayne City, Illinois. It's about a two-hour drive, I understand, from here. Wayne City, Illinois, up near Mount Vernon. And uh, so Monday night, I think that's a 7 o'clock. Uh, you could go on their website. Is it 7 o'clock? Okay. Uh, and then I'm doing Wednesday morning, and then I'm doing Thursday night uh, at 7 o'clock. So if you want, can, make the drive. You're hungry. You want to get in more meetings, be in the, where God is moving, uh, or just come help me. You know, y'all help me. You know how, how to pull on me and um, that we could um, be a blessing and obey God in these, in these meetings. And if you can't, just pray for me. Believe that God will use me. And I don't know if the services are live streamed or not. That, okay, they hadn't decided yet. So anyway, praise God. Romans chapter 1. Now, uh, this is going to be a little different service if you're a visitor or guest. So I'm just telling you, praise God. And, and it's going to be great. But it will be a little bit different. This is, this is not a teaching service. Amen. Not going to be. I'm a teacher, a shepherd, feed the flock, right? I know that's a paramount. But uh, as I began uh, on Thursday this last week, I began to talk to God about Sunday. I knew sun, every pastor knows Sunday's coming. <laughs> and we've got to be ready for Sunday. And of course, we've not been getting back to the house we've been staying at until about after 11 o'clock. And morning meetings, night meetings, been busy. But I'm full. So it's, it's about, what do I spill out on you? What do I spill out on you? And uh, I studied One Direction, and then, and then the Lord dealt with me, and He said, I, uh, I want you to talk this morning about the anointing that's on your life. The anointing that's on your life. And then to impart that anointing uh, to those that would want that. By the laying on of hands. So this will be an impartation service. And uh, that's a very scriptural thing. You know, uh, the Word is paramount. We'll never get away from the Word. But we need, the, uh, we need also the, the moving of the Holy Ghost. But we, need all, but we need impartations. My life, my wife and I's lives, and it's not just about being in the ministry. Uh, Brett's in the ministry in a measure. More to come, no doubt, for him and Sarah in that as they're faithful. But um, the, right now they're in the helps ministry. Maurice is in the ministry. Did you know that? He just doesn't go to school at McCracken County or wherever. He's in the ministry. Amen. You do have a job around here? Do you help around the church at all? Okay, then that means you're in the helps ministry. And, uh, but anyway, uh, having served God since 1995, uh, praise God, loving Him, pursuing Him with all my heart, our lives have been enhanced and shaped 
uh, by the teaching, uh, but also by the impartations that we have received from uh, men and women of God that God has brought strategically into our life. You know, the body of Christ is not just global, it's interstellar. You do know that, right? I mean, there are believers, there's probably more of the body of Christ in heaven today, because the body of Christ is 2,000 years old, amen, than there are even on the planet today, who knows? And uh, because uh, believers have gone on to be with the Lord. And, uh, but uh, praise God, but we're not joined necessarily with all, we're not called to, I'm not called to have direct fellowship with all the body of Christ. That would be, that would be almost impossible, right? So God has strategically uh, fit us in the body, fashioned us and fit us, I'm talking, talking to you, in the body as it is pleased Him. And it is so vitally important that we find our place, that we find our fit in the body, and that we take that place, we occupy that place. And whatever that supply is defined, you know, an arm is not the same as a liver. But it's, they're both, I'm not willing to do without either one of them. Uh, I've never seen my liver, never got to sh shake hands with my liver, that's a good thing. But I'm glad I have one, a good one, a healthy one. It makes cholesterol good cholesterol, it, makes, it, it filters bad stuff out of the body, does things I don't even know that it does, and I'm glad I have it. Amen, but I'm glad I got an arm. I can pick stuff, I can hug my wife, I can, you know, I can do all kinds of things because I have an arm. And my arm is there being an arm. And the liver is there being a liver. Glory to God. And it takes all the parts of the body being who they're supposed to be in a local church for that church to operate on a high level. If you come to a church and the church is dysfunctional, you know, it's all maimed looking, you want to know why it's not the pastor's fault? It's because arms are missing, livers are missing. People are not bringing the supply that they ought to have brought. But to, to get to our God-ordained end will require more than just good teaching. You're going to have to have impartations. Amen. You're here in Romans chapter 1, is that right? Romans chapter 1. Look at verse number 11. Paul, he's not in Rome yet, but he longs to get there. Amen. He has uh, been to other places in the world, raised up churches like the church at Corinth, the church at Thessalonica, the churches in Galatia. Uh, praise God. You know, the church at Philippi that Brother Deacon Scott was talking about. Amen. But he had yet to get to Rome. But it was the will of God for him to get to Rome because there were Christians at Rome. Amen. That it, look at what it said, that evidently needed him and needed what he had to give them. It wasn't, it wasn't a teaching. You could teach in a letter, right? So look at what it says in verse 11. It says, for I long to see you. Now people need to get this about live stream. Live stream is a blessing. It allows you to see me, but I can't see you. Notice on the minister's side, I long to see you, that I may, what's that word? Impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end, or the result will be what? That you will be established. Now, there was a day in my life where this kind of scripture and this kind of talk was really new to me. You don't hear much about impartation in the church I grew up in. 
But it's right here in the Bible. I said it's right here in the Bible. And so evidently to become established requires impartation. And God's got methods by which He gets the impartations to us. Amen? Glory to God. Then it goes on and it says in verse 12, Now that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Go over to 2 Timothy. I, I believe it's 2 Timothy. Chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm going to say just enough. I'm just going to keep talking until God says stop. So if you don't want that to be three this afternoon on a Father's Day. Then... No, but I'm going to talk to you enough, to, especially for the new ones, to get the word in you. Give you something to believe. Amen. But God said, talk about the anointing that's on your life. Amen. And then impart to whoever would want that. Amen. Amen. Now, if you don't come up here today, I'm not going to think less of you at all. Amen. Amen. When I get around a minister I'm not familiar with, I, I don't want them putting their hands on me right away. But you get an impartation. You want to make sure the impartation you're going to get is a good impartation. Amen. So, beginning in verse number 4. 5, 2 Timothy 1, 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned or the sincere faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that, notice it, that you, that thou, that you stir up the gift of God. Did Timothy possess a gift? The gift came from God. How did he get it? Do you see there that it says, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands? So the laying on of hands, that's not, there's a whole teaching on the laying on of hands, but the laying on of hands is not for pseudo-spiritual churches, but not mainstream. We're not going there, but if you go read Hebrews chapter 6, where Paul I believe he's the writer of Hebrews. But anyway, the writer of Hebrews outlines the elementary. Everyone say elementary. elementary. Now, they don't teach calculus in elementary because it's not elementary. But it talks about there that Paul outlines the elementary doctrines or beliefs or teachings of the church. And among them are things like baptism. That's elementary. Most of us would agree that's elementary. Amen. Uh, repentance toward God, faith, repentance and faith towards God, amen, eternal judgments, foundational things, the laying on of hands is among them. So isn't it shocking that across mainstream, mainstream Christianity today there is very little revelation and real understanding about the laying on of hands and its purpose in most mainline denominational uh, churches, you'll only see the laying on of hands maybe at a minister's ordination. Uh, praise to God. Maybe they have a little bit of lighter revelation on Mark chapter 16, lay hands on the sick, and they re will recover. Uh, amen. And that's a, that's a valid ordination. That's a valid use of the laying on of hands. Uh, praise God. Um, laying hands on the sick. Did not Jesus do that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. He did that. 
And he said all believers in the church, every Christian in the church should lay hands on their sick. Amen? Parents, who should you practice on? Practice on your kids. Amen. Get really good. Amen. Laying hands on your sick kids, if they were to ever get sick, and watch them recover supernaturally. Praise God. But here we see that Timothy, this young minister, he had a gift in him. How did he get it? He got it through the putting on of Paul's hands. Now let's go over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. And then I just want to spend a minute telling you about the anointing that's on my life. What I know about it to the, at this point at least. And then we'll minister. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Jesus, this is, this is a longer subject too, but... Well, let me just read it and then I'll, then I'll, then I'll say that. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth. This was hometown for him, right? He was called a Nazarene. And he came to Nazareth, chapter 4, verse 16, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was. What would that mean? I know that's King James language, but what does that mean? As his custom was. He had a habit. He had a habit. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his habit was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, he's still talking about his habit. Yeah. Now, I could, I could preach on this. He had a church habit. Jesus, our example, had a habit of being in the synagogue on synagogue day. A lot of people need that. Like today. Today, I don't do this every day. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before, but five times, 20 years, that God would instruct me to lay hands on everybody for an impartation if they want one, out of the anointing on your life. This is one of those services, if I find out about it or if I'm watching on live stream, I'm kicking myself in my boots, honey, because I've decided to have church in my jammies today. So you can't get what I'm about to give on live stream today. I'm sorry, unless the Lord moves on me to speak it to you. He told me to lay my hands on you. I'm not climbing through the camera to lay my hands on you. This is why we, anyway, I can, it's a dead horse, I'll just get off of it. But anyway, you're here, praise God. Hallelujah. And he stood up for the read, for to read, verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now he didn't, he didn't ask for the, the, the scroll of the whole Old Testament, did he? He asked for it, was brought to him the scroll, the book of Isaiah. Esaias is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, and notice, found the place. He's looking for a text. He found the place where it was written, and then he, he reads this text. We'll read it in a moment. Now, he did this everywhere he went. Now, in one of the visions uh, where Jesus appeared in vision form to a minister named Kenneth e. Hagin, he told him, Brother Hagin didn't know this passage. He hadn't seen this, but he said, I went, I preached Luke 4, 18. At the, at the, when I went into a city, I went into the synagogue of that city. That was my habit. This is the first message I preached everywhere I went. Well, this, this is scriptural evidence for what Jesus told Brother Hagin in that vision. When I showed up in a village or a city, I found, I went to the synagogue. If I had a chance to get up, which they'd give me, God, I'd have a chance to get up. Amen. I'd give the text. I'd find this text, and this is the sermon I'd preach. Mm -hmm. 
So he said he found the passage where it was written, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, that's God, the Father, hath anointed me, anointed me, anointed me. Two, and then he starts out in a list. Notice, just by noticing that there's a list, that Jesus was anointed to do more than one thing. And we're all anointed to do something. Most of us, some things. Not just out of our natural talents, not just out of our natural abilities, but there is an anointing. A power from God. A work of the Holy Spirit that would enable you to do what you're anointed to do. Amen. I just don't have the anointing on me, the grace on me to do certain things in the local church I used to. I mean, little simple stuff like hanging up pictures and stuff. I do that at my house all the time. I do pretty good. My wife does better, but I do pretty good. I try to do it around here, and I fumble it up. I just Because that's, I'm not supposed to be doing that here. There's an anointing to sing. There's an anointing to play instruments. There's an anointing to run that soundboard. There's an anointing to minister to children. There's an anointing to pray. There's an anointing. Amen. And this, this local church is anointed. If you know nothing about what you're anointed to do and you're wondering, well, I, I can't serve in the local church till I find out. No, that's not right. The whole church is already anointed. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, just, if you hear me say, I need someone to, to serve in children's ministry, you may not feel equipped for that, but step into the anointing that's on the church. Amen. Then there's an anointing on your life for outside the four walls of this church. Anyway, I can't get ahead of myself too far. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach. See, there's an anointing to preach. Don't try to preach without the anointing. <laughs> I don't appreciate sitting in a place listening to someone who's not anointed to be up there. They just want to be up there. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not into motivational speaking, listening to good communicators. I want the anointing. Amen? I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal. Notice that, to heal. To heal. You might mark these. Praise God. There's an anointing on Jesus to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again unto the servant, the minister, and he sat down. Now where he sat down, that's why their eyes got big. He didn't, sit, he didn't go back and sit down where he used to sit growing up in this little, little church with my Mother Mary. He went up onto the platform. I've been in this synagogue, literally. And in Jerusalem, 2006, I was there. And it's just a one step. It, the platform's this high. And, but it was wide, and they had a seat that no one ever sat in. That was the seat reserved for the Messiah. So he reads this text in his home church. Gives the Bible back to the servant. And he didn't go, like all those other times, when he would have got up, when it was his turn to read the Torah in church, he would have gone back and sat in his chair back with Joseph and his brothers and sisters. But this time, the Bible says, come on, can you imagine 
No one sat in these synagogue seats for thousands of years. And Jesus goes over and he sits down. And from that seat, he declares, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. My, my, my. Their eyes got big. And you would have hoped that they would have gotten excited. There was stirring for sure. It says he closed the book, he gave it to the minister, he sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Isn't this Joseph's kid? And they said, Surely you'll say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself, prophesying that they would crucify him. Verily I say unto you that no prophet is accepted or honored in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows, and he went on. But anyway, what they do? They took him to the edge of the cliff that day to throw him off. And of course, God, the angel supernaturally delivered him. He walked through the midst of them and was free. Notice, they didn't get anything. They didn't get anything that day except offended. You have to be very careful when people begin to talk, like I am this morning, about the anointing that's on my life, that you think right about that. I, it would be wrong for me to stand up here and try to bring attention to myself. And it would have been wrong for Jesus to do that. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, look at me, how wonderful I am. Everything he's talking about is what the Father anointed him to do. Notice none of those things in that list were for Jesus' personal benefit. I'm anointed to preach good news to the poor. I'm anointed to, uh, to heal, right? To heal. I'm anointed to preach deliverance to captives. I'm anointed to bind up broken hearts. I'm here to proclaim the year of Jubilee. I'm here to help you. Amen. He told them about the anointing that was on his life so that they could have faith in it. I said so that they could have faith in it. Not so that they could just applaud, so that they could receive. No doubt there were people that were poor in that synagogue. He was anointed to help them with that. No doubt there were people bound in the synagogue. He was anointed to help them with that. No doubt there were people in the synagogue that needed healing. He was anointed to help them with that. Come on. We say, well, Pastor Chris, I get this, but th I, I'm following you. But that's Jesus. I understand that. But in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus, I'm going to make a statement. I hope you can swallow it. Jesus is the Son of God. Now, you that's, amen. We got that. He is the Son of God. But when it comes to ministry, Jesus as being the Son of God, He's in a class by Himself. Nobody can touch that. But in ministry, He is not in a class by Himself. 
Now, no one had the, men, the anointing or the spirit without measure like he did. He's the head. He had the spirit without measure. But the body, the body of Christ, the body of the anointed one and his anointing, we all have our big share in that anointing that's on his life. Philippians says that Jesus laid aside his mighty power and glory as deity, and he came and he emptied himself, yeah. became a man. Go to uh, Acts chapter 2. Y'all all right? Yeah. We're getting closer, but we're not there yet. Acts chapter 2. It'll be worth sticking around. Yeah. Hallelujah. See, you'll leave with something. Yeah. Or you'll leave without something that you don't need to have, that you brought in you shouldn't have had to be in with. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Now, Jesus said in John 14, he said, And the works that you see me do, you shall do also. That verse can't be true if Jesus in ministry is in a class by himself. You know what I mean by a class by himself? Jesus laid hands on someone and they got healed. We can't do that. He's in, that's Jesus. We can't do that. Well, he said to. I said he said to. Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel. These signs shall follow. Amen. Well, Jesus got the devil out of the demoniac at Gadara, but we can't do that. Yes, we can't. Jesus said to. He said, the first sign that follows believers that believe in his name, will, they will cast out devils. The church has just gotten away from it. Jesus in ministry is our example. I said he's our example. The works that you see me do, you shall do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Amen. He went to the Father so the Holy Ghost could come. The Holy Ghost has come, and He's in you. And He's on you, and He's in me. And He's on me. Acts 2.22 says, uh, And you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a what? A what? Way in the back over here on this side? Cat? A man. Thank you, Cat. Praise God. A man. Is he a, he's fully God. I know that. But is he a man? He's a man. Approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did. Which God did by him, a man in the midst of you, as you also yourselves know. And we know Jesus is the Son of God. We know He's deity, but the God that did these works and miracles, is not, He's not talking about Himself, is He? He's talking about His Father. The works that you see me do, Jesus said, these are the works of my Father. My Father in me, He doeth the works. How did He do them? How did He do them through the man, Jesus? By anointing Him. I said by anointing Him. By anointing him. Now, can anyone else operate like this? We'll go to Acts 19. Acts 19, or is, in, is Jesus in a class all by himself? Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, 11 says, And God, everyone say God. God. God wrought or God worked special miracles by the, by the hands of Paul. A man. That's how God works. He works through the hands of men and women. Amen. 
so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them or of them. But did you see that? And God wrought by the hands of a man. It's still God. Of course it's God. It was wrought by the hands of men. Well, let me just quickly describe some of the things that God has just put on my life. Obviously, you know, the anointing will come on those that are especially called to stand in a pulpit. To have a pulpit. All of the five... All of the fivefold ministries are pulpit ministries. In other words, they have places to preach. They are preachers and teachers of the word. An apostle is a preacher and a teacher of the word. He has places to preach. A prophet is a preacher and a teacher of the word. They've got a place to preach. This is why I say there aren't any prophets who are managers down at 7-Eleven. They don't have places to preach. They may be anointed as a believer and work signs and wonders and prophesy, but they don't stand in a five-fold ministry office because all of them have places to preach. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I didn't say they're not anointed. You, all, you need an anointed to work at 7-Eleven, amen? Well, wherever you're working. To represent God. Deal with demons. Yeah. So, in uh, 2001, right after September 11th, um, God dealt with my wife and I about assuming the leadership of this church. And we had an ordination service, and we walked up about four steps. And I I had the calling. When I was on this side of that, that moment, on the carpet, my wife and I had a call to pastor. But... When we walked up the steps and our man of God laid hands on us, amen, I, I tangibly walked down the steps knowing I can pastor now. I, may, I think I said it to myself, I can pastor now. So you can have a call to do something, but the anointing for it not be on you yet because it's not time for it. I agree with some of my pastor peers that have begun to recognize that the real office on the, of the pastor is much more rare than people think. You know, because you have a desire and you want to help people, and you go to a school and you get a certificate, and then you get a pastorate and you get hired on, that doesn't make you that. Bible school does not make you a pastor. A certificate doesn't make you a pastor. A doctorate seminary degree does not make you a pastor. Only Jesus, the head of the church, can give you that gift and anoint you to stand in that office. Very few, a high percentage of the churches that are out there are not headed up by the real thing. I'm not bringing attention to me, but I'm just saying they don't have the anointing on them for that. Jesus said, this is why many of my ministers die premature. Is because they've taken unto themselves an office that does not belong to them. Very dangerous thing to do. So obviously, you know, this is there's an anointing on my life to shepherd and oversee the precious, not dominate. It's not a cult. I don't want to know what 
I, I heard that, you know, Pastor, is it okay if I buy a car? Don't ask me. <laughs> what color should I buy? I don't want to know. <laughs> Amen? But there is an anointing on my life to feed the sheep. Yeah. Amen? And to oversee, according to Hebrews 13, 17, men and women's souls. Mm-hmm. Amen? And that's more of an anointing that you sit under during the... Right? But over time, God is, and this is where words come from. I don't want to try to be too, you know, get, you might not understand these terms, but I'll, I'll use the term mantle. It's an Old Testament term. Well, oftentimes in the Old Testament, they had a, like Elijah and Elisha had a, a leather belt, a leather, and it represented the anointing that was on his life. And so if you want to think about the anointing on a minister or anyone's life, like a tool belt, and God began to just add things to my tool belt over the years as I was faithful to my hookup, to my stay properly connected. In 2010, in 2010 I was in, uh, I was in California. Dr. Dufresne called me up and ministered to me. I started to head back to my seat, and Pastor Nancy stood up and said, Pastor Chris, come back here. I have something for you too. And so I did, and I got before her, and the Spirit of God came on her and began to say, this day, this moment, a mantle of wisdom a mantle of wisdom is coming upon you. That many will come and sit around you, not just laity, but ministers. And they will come and sit around you, and you will open up your mouth, and out of your mouth will come the answer of the Spirit for their lives. Then she dealt with me about the anointing and the commission on my life to write books and encouraged me along that line. Well, that's just so humbled. I was not expecting that. That mantle isn't in operation on me all the time. Mainly it comes on me during my mentoring class. That's how you would expose yourself primarily to the... But in my, whenever you're around me, he said people would just come sit around me. Could be a restaurant, whatever. And out of my mouth would come the answer of the Spirit for their lives. Hallelujah. How would you appropriate that today? If you desperately need an answer from God. That's your primary need this morning. When I put my hand on you, believe to be quickened about the answer. You'll know what to do. Amen? You'll know what to do. In um, 2017, I, well, let me go back. Uh, yeah, we'll deal with this one first. 2017, I was at the Bible school in California. I was in my hotel. I had no one with me that time. I was by myself. And I was just praying along, praying along, and all of a sudden the unction of the Holy Ghost came on me. I went to my computer. And I sat down, and I closed my eyes, and I prophesied to myself. And uh, now we provide this prophecy, and many of the prophecies I'm referring to in our book on prophecy that's available, I think, for free, uh, somewhere here in the building. And uh, these words came to me for now, that anointing to prosper has come upon you and your wife to abide. For you have been tested and tried. You've been long faithful to pay your tithes. You've been faithful to give offerings as I've led you and been instructed. So now I'm bringing you into a greater hookup. Now you're connected to a greater channel. And in that channel will flow greater resources than you've ever known heretofore. That has come to pass. I mean, I just tell you financially, that, is, that has come to pass. And, and I trust continuing to come to pass. 
For you are one that I shall use an as an example of my will in this area of supply. But know that criticism shall increase and even become great. You keep your mouth shut and let your life be the answer to those who would criticize. Many will come and be blessed through their connection and association with you. And that anointing shall come upon them. And that anointing shall come upon them. And that anointing shall come upon them. And they too shall come up to a new level of supply for this era. See, there's a plan for this money. And for these last days, saith the Lord. Yes, there is an anointing to prosper. You've called it the blessing. And that is right and true. But right on the other hand, there is an anointing to prosper. For every yoke and every burden has an anointing to destroy that yoke. And to remove that burden. So, if you're here today facing financial pressure, right, or lack, that's a burden, isn't it? The anointing destroys the yoke. It removes heavy burdens. Or, you heard that other part, you like that other part, that there's an, the anointing on my wife and I to prosper, that has just, it's continuing to come to pass, we haven't arrived, but we've come up in a big step. He said that, could, that will come upon. It can. Amen. How could I get that impartation, Pastor? That's, that's what he's told me to do. I don't believe it. You won't get it. It'll work for you. What you, won't, what you don't believe is working for you really good. Yeah, right, amen. Not going to bother me. And then he talked to me about the Spirit of the Lord. What was the first anointing on Jesus that he talked about? To preach good news to the... He dealt with poverty. First. Amen? Just like the healing anointing he told me, when it is in manifestation, it is there to drive out sickness and to destroy the yoke of disease. So too, the anointing to prosper comes as you preach it. Amen. That's what I'm going to do Wednesday night. Amen. And many will hear and be blessed as they mix their faith and respond. So preach it, preach and expect that anointing to come in greater power and greater ability. And it will do its assigned work and it will usher in a new condition in the lives of my people. A new day of blessing, of supply and ability to enjoy the blessings of God. In 2013, it's a sad day for me when Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father of 10 years, his plane crashed. And he went to heaven, he and Brother Mitch. That day, God talked to me before I had found out that he had died. And he spoke to me in a way that very much troubled me because he spoke it in a sense as if Dr. Ephraim was not on the planet anymore, which, of course, he wasn't. I just didn't know. And that day, he began to talk to me about the gifts of healings and the healing anointing that's on my life. And he said... Tonight, I was preparing for a service. I want you to minister on the gifts of healings, for it will manifest and it will be a sign unto you that you are called to the healing ministry and to walk in the footsteps of your spiritual father. Now, I took that to mean, I could be wrong, but I took that to mean in his healing ministry. I'm not Dr. Dufresne in the, obviously. But in the healing ministry. Then in 2019... Just a couple of years ago, I was here at the building praying and talking to God about that prophecy. And he said to me, the anointing on your life to kill cancer 
will grow stronger and stronger until many, many people are healed of cancer. He said this anointing will primarily operate when you're on the road. Not so much, he didn't say it wouldn't, but not so much when you're at home. And I asked him why, and he said, well, because those that I've called to sit around you, to get to be around you as a pastor, ought to know better. They ought to be able, they sit under the Word and develop their faith and be able to get that cancer off of them. Now, don't let that be a pin that popped your bubble. I am anointed from Jesus to kill cancer and many other diseases. Amen. And uh, so that's an anointing that's on my life. Praise God. And if you were, well, that's why I carry this binder around. Where was it? It was in, I was in January. I was out there in California by myself. That's why you need to send me to these meetings, so I can be around my spiritual parents. And I so appreciate my partners. Thank you so much for getting me places. And, uh, but uh, in January, toward the, it was the last day of the meeting, the Spirit of God came on Pastor Nancy, and she said unto me, stepping up, stepping up into that healing flow. Stepping up into that healing flow. Not in small strides or small strips, but, but large Large strides in the results of your healing ministry. So much so that uh, those, basically, I don't have the wording in front of me, those being given up by the doctor, life and death situations will come before you, and they will be healed if I look at Jesus and not them. Amen. And then just in the miracle crusade right here, she, she said the tangibility of the anointing that's in your hand. And I was already on the carpet by the time she got that out. And I thought I heard her say it's increasing 30%. That's not what she said. She said 30-fold, 30 times, 30 times, 30 times. I thought to God, I said, now that's a lot. He goes, it's the smallest I ever talked about. God knows how to humble me. He said, it's the smallest I ever talked about. 30, 60, 100 fold. I said, you got me. Nevertheless, 30 times what I had is a significant increase. And when I had the opportunity to minister Friday night for, to the sick, I don't think I've ever experienced that level of tangible anointing flowing out of my hands. So there's an anointing. I didn't ask for it. I, I didn't ask. I'm not shying back from it. But I didn't ask for it. So if you're here today, amen. And uh, you need healing, I get it. But here's another thing. What would God want you to carry more than what you're carrying in a healing flow for others yourself. Yeah. It's not yeah. just this morning about getting healed, but it's about you could, I would if I were you, I'd be saying, Father, I know I'm called to do something to help sick people out yeah. my community, and I, I'm all about a stronger anointing. I'm going yeah. to take that from a man of God this morning. That's what I would. Yeah. Amen. Now you can't get out of me from God what he didn't want you to have. 
but he, he blesses those that are hungry, I'm telling you. I have anointings in my tool belt, I'm convinced that I'm not necessarily, was originally intended to have. But because I was hungry, and because I stayed very close to my man of God. You know, you, when you when, if you're not content to live on the fringes, I'm not content. If God has signed my life, then I'm not, gonna, I'm not nosy or pushy, but I'm going to be as close to my man of God as I can be. The students of the prophets in the school of the prophets, they all watched Elisha get a double portion. And Elisha was in that school too, but he lived. And when Elijah said, I'm going over here, you chill. He goes, nope. I'm going. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's an anointing on... And it's not everything, but what I've I, I got to finish up here. Praise God. There's an anointing on my life for ministry. There's an anointing on my life for healing. There's an anointing on my life for prosperity. There's an anointing on my, I said healing, right? For healing. There's an anointing on my life for wisdom. Amen. That you could get around me, and if that, you just have faith in that wisdom. I wouldn't intend to say it. It's not because, it's not because of my degree or I'm smart. But you came, you had faith, you sat around, and up out of my humble mouth came the answer of the Spirit for your life. Amen. I didn't talk about it much today, but there is an anointing on my life that will set you free. Bad habits, things you stumble over, demonic strongholds, addictions. Amen. We're flat out you know, demon trouble, you know, so, hallelujah, you want to come move this for me, praise God, praise God, praise God, I know it's after 12, but y'all all right?